The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning. Welcome uh, to the Source of Truth podcast. And we are so glad you're with us today as we take some time today to delve into the book of Proverbs as we're continuing to be there. Thanks for joining us, especially those who might be watching us live right today, Thursday at 11 o'clock. We are glad that you've taken time out of your morning, or maybe your lunch break or whatever it is to watch us. And we greatly appreciate you taking time to be with us. Today we're gonna be looking at several verses in the book of Proverbs chapter 15. And it's unique as I study this. I've mentioned this once or twice throughout the many episodes of the study of Proverbs, that we're going to find times where a lot of things are repeated. Um, Some chapters, there's going to be different sections where you feel like, man, I thought we talked about this in chapter 3 or chapter 5. And and it's true. It's exactly what happens. Actually, one of the uh, really great effective ways to study Proverbs, a lot of people don't necessarily go verse by verse through Proverbs when they study, when they teach it. A lot of times what they do is they go topic by topic. So they spend time, how, uh, what was all said to the fool? What was all said to the scorner? What was all said to the wise man? What about finances? What about family? What about these different things? And, and so a lot of times they break it up into those things and you can find multiple. How about, with, how about humility, pride? It's mentioned all kinds of time, both of those in the book of Proverbs. And we talk about just the struggle that pride brings and the blessings that humility brings. And so what we're going to look at today are several verses from chapter 15 that deal with something that's probably not the first time we've referenced it on on these sets of episodes in Proverbs. And that comes down to the battle of whether I will follow the instruction given to me and be blessed because of it, or I will refuse the instruction given to me and struggle because of it. And that's really what we're looking at today. You know, most of us would admit we're not a big fan of correction per se, but there's a difference here. We talked a while back about not liking correction, not like someone telling us we're wrong or not liking it when people get on our case or, hey, you should be doing better here. We're not big fans of that. This is a little different than that, though. As we look at this today, this is more of me seeking to grow in knowledge. Let me give you some examples of it. If you're married... One of the greatest things you can do for your marriage is to be you know, growing in it by getting resources to challenge you. I don't mean finding ways that your spouse could be better. I mean, uh, for me, you know, get a book, read it. How can I and find a book where I'm, where I'm weak and how can I be better than this? I mean, I do this. I start and I kind of stall for a little bit of time. Get back into it. Don't say, well, I, I've, only, I've missed a month. No, no, get back into it. Be looking for ways. Look up articles, ideas. One of the books that my wife gave me, uh, she really enjoyed, I've been reading. Uh, one, this chapter I just finished gave a whole list of dating ideas. What are some great date nights? There's 52 ideas for dates. Uh, and a large, a large chunk of them were absolutely free. Just great times to be alone. And it was a great thing that is needed. If you marry and you stop dating, you lose a lot of the excitement and joy that comes in marriage. So that's a great tool. If you are a leader in any form in your home, if you're a husband or if you're a spiritual leader at the church or things like that, getting books on leadership are great, great tools. Parenting, um, books on teens, you should be gaining, and not just books, you should be listening to messages on it, studying different sections of scripture. All of this, what this is, is me desiring to find out how I can become better in certain areas. So something I encourage my children often, um, 
I was challenged by this years ago. Actually, uh, when I was in high school, uh, a guy that at that time was a chief in the Navy attended our church, and he wanted to do a martial arts class, karate class, and they used the basement back when it was just a big open basement. And uh, so I was I take that, took that class for a couple years. And one of the things, I, I had just certain things. He made a comment to me. There's certain moves and certain things that I did that I was good at. It was easy. So I practiced a lot on those because they were easy and they, they looked good. And he would come to me and say, but these certain kicks or moves or whatever you're not good at and you don't seem to work hard at. I don't want to. They're not fun. I'm not good at it. He looked at me and he said, let me challenge you that not only in this, in martial arts, but in life, don't run away from your weaknesses. Strive to actually make your weaknesses your strengths. God gave you a weakness. That's not something to say I can't do. A weakness is something that I have to work maybe to make something that becomes one of my strengths. I got to work at it in his power. And by the way, acknowledging my weaknesses and letting God step in is one of the greatest truths and strengths in Christian life. I tell my kids this. It's been something that I've worked on my life to find things. Hey, I'm not good at this. Well, I don't walk away from it. How can I become better at it? And I try to strengthen those other things that I'm natural at. But that's one of the things, you know, this is the idea is I'm trying to gain is gain knowledge. Why? Because I can't become better at these things if I'm not striving to gain knowledge. So I strive to gain knowledge and I try to strive to grow. A wise person wants knowledge, wants to see where they're weak and wants to see where they can become better. You say, well, Pastor, I feel guilty. And I, I understand where you're at. I read this book and, and it points out all these things that I have not done right in my job or as a parent or as a husband or whatever it is. And I've been there. You can look at that and you can say, well, I, I don't want to do it anymore. Well, that's, that's, that's not wise. That's you're never going to become better. What do you do? You acknowledge, you know what, man, I can become better at that. Don't let Satan be up. Move forward. If you got to apologize for something, do it. Move forward. These are the things that help us to grow. And that's really the, the premise of what we'll look at today. So I'm going to read, I think it's seven verses here, broken down through chapter 15. The first couple deal specifically with the idea of those who just don't, who just have no time for any level of instruction. Chapter 15, verse 9. It says, the way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that fileth after righteousness. So actually, verse 9, I put down because it really, it's a surmise of everything we're going to see in the next couple of verses. Um, those who are going wrong, God hates. It's an abomination. It's the strongest word God can put in Scripture. The way of the wicked, the way that are going a certain way, but he loveth those who follow after righteousness. That's really what I wanted to focus on. He is a love and, and honoreth those who follow after, desire, will go after things of righteousness. They will want to learn. They will grow. They will be around people who point them to Jesus, who encourage them, who, who yes, sometimes even faithful are the wounds of a friend that may even correct them, may point them in the right way. But these people who draw them closer to God, that's what they're going to follow after things of righteousness, the uh, music and the preaching and all the different things that are, they're not in glorifying and pushing a lifestyle of sin, but things that are pushing godliness. And so he loveth those who desire these things. And so let's look at the next verse, verse 10. Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and he that hateth reproof shall die. Again, we mentioned words in the Bible are important. I like this one. Correction is grievous to them that forsaketh the way. It's interesting. It's not saying that one who ignores the way. It's not saying one who is unaware of the way. This is somebody. To forsake something means you need to be aware of it. You need to know the truth. You need to know the direction. You need to know what you should do. You choose to forsake it. This would be a Christian in church who has been given truth. 
It might be an unsaved person, but let's start with a Christian, a Christian in church who has been given truth. For whatever reason, in the back of their mind and their spiritual growth, they hear it and they just forsake it. They, they look at it, they've acknowledged it as truth because it comes from the word of God or the preacher or whatever. For whatever reason, they're not a fan of it and they forsake it. It's there, the God has revealed to them that this, yes, this is the right way. They forsake it, they say, I don't want anything to do with it. An unsaved person will come in and they will recognize that you know maybe they struggle with religion, they struggle with church, and maybe so for valid reasons. And they come to a church and they hear the preaching about Jesus, not about you know hate or not about frustration or differences, but strictly about Jesus. And I'll tell you what, it gets their attention. They're like, man, there's something true here. And God reveals over time to them, this is truth, they forsake it. Correction is grievous to them. They, they, and so when they forsake these things and something comes and says, hey, you need to go, they don't want that. It grieves them, it frustrates them because they've forsaken the right way and they don't want anybody to tell them. They know the direction they're going is wrong and correction is, is grievous. So for those who have forsaken, it's, it's, it's grievous to them. He goes, and he that hateth reproof shall die. For those who say I don't want anything to do with it are going to find themselves in pain. They're going to find themselves living a life uh, that is headed towards death. And yes, they might be Christians and they might go to end up in heaven. But their life on earth is going to be full of grief. And ultimately, when they get to heaven, it's, it's just not going to be what it could be, especially when they stand before Jesus. And we don't want to be in that spot. We, don't, we, don't, we want to be out of that. The next one says, a scorner. Loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. Now, we jump to the word scorner. Scorner is one that we've not actually looked at a whole lot. Remember, so we look at, he's probably forsaken the way he wants nothing to do with this. Remember the simple, um, they've been given truth, but they're not really know where they're going to go with it. They kind of follow anybody. The fool knows the truth, but refuses to do anything with it. A scorner knows the truth and actually scorns. I mean, they're, they're out to say how bad it is. And they're the ones that are criticizing the pastor. They're the ones that are out going against anything that's good. They're the ones that are trying to cause dissension among the brethren. They're trying to cause grief. They're the ones that are, are splitting things and when they're done it's just uh, they come in and oh they may seem nice but they just cause chaos I mean and it's just confusion and chaos God calls them scorners and what happens is they do not love one that brings reproof and anybody they have a problem with authority a scorner will have a problem with authority across board they don't like authority they're frustrated with it don't tell me what to do so that could be a, a person at work that could be someone in their home I could be a spiritual leader and because here's an example there's certain people that write books. There's certain authors that I love to read. Let me tell you why I love to read them. Uh, they go in, and when they write, they break down, here are ways to find out where you are. They kind of put out a list of illustrations and examples. So there's one book I've read when I was um, uh, studying for a couple's retreat that talked about um, how to recognize who you are in marriage. And it talked about, here's what I believe, and there's a bunch of illustrations. Why did I like that? Because he wasn't pulling punches. He wasn't being nice and saying, oh, don't worry about it. He was saying, hey... Let me describe this negative aspect of a couple or a person in marriage. And then he broke it down in detail. When I read those things, I'm like, man, this is hard. I like people who are very straightforward, very clear. You know where they are because I want to see if that's me. I'm not saying I enjoy recognizing my wrong. What I'm saying is I don't want to dwell in it. I hope to get it right. So I'm going to read something that will encourage. People should do that. You know, when I go to the Word of God, I listened to a message the other day. Um, uh, the pastor was preaching. I was listening to it just because I, he's a great expositor, and it happened to be his last Sunday morning message. And I was, I was listening to it, and it was a passage I've studied, I've preached, I love. I'll tell you, the way he brought it just convicted my heart. As much as I didn't always enjoy the conviction, it was great to have God speak to me, and I learned from it. That's what we should be. And I'm not trying to say be like me. What I'm trying to say is this is what I'm learning from this. 
I love those who are willing to help me to become better. A scorner is the opposite. And they have no love for people who want them to become better. They will never go to anybody wise. They will only find people who agree with them. They, they don't, there is no multitude of counselors that are safe. There is, let me uh, associate with only people who agree with me, who are frustrated with me, who are critical with me. And, and they're easy to find. Boom, they come together real quick. And they, they just like a cancer, they go through. That's the scorner. And they're in churches and they're dangerous. And, and they're obvious. By the way, to the wise. It's obvious who they are. They sit back. I, I'm just not comfortable. Something's up. Because uh, they're just, can two walk together except they'd be agreed. Moving on. Um, the ear that heareth the reproof of life ab abideth among the wise. The ear, and he's really talking about listening, that heareth, that's willing to listen to reproof about things will be among, among the wise. They will grow. You will see them as with the wise people because in that correction, they not only will be looking for it, they will hear it. You know, I, I, mm, I didn't like it. When pastor preached it on Sunday, I'm telling you, man, that was uncomfortable, but I needed it. When I study things, man, I, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say that. I don't like this. When I listen to this preacher, I don't know if I like that. Who's willing to listen and make it part of who them will be among the wise. God will bless and they will be one that ultimately people will come to for Wisdom. Verse 32, he that refuses instruction, catch this, they despise their own soul. Unwillingness to take instruction brings grief to themselves, but he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. There's a distinction again. It's when you don't listen to instruction, he's literally saying you despise your own soul, your own direction, your own walk with God. Despise, look down, refuse. You don't see the importance of it. And really, you don't see the importance of Christian growth. You know a lot of truth. But now it's puffeth up and it doesn't help. This is the heart now. This is the soul, the part of you that drives you in your Christian life. And those who refuse will despise that. But he that heareth this gets understanding and grows. Verse 33, I love this. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom and before honor is humility. The fear of the Lord, recognizing that I want to please God and I want to honor him and grow in him, that's the beginning of wisdom. And before any level of honor in my life, I must be humbled. You know, if we're not willing to humble ourselves, God will humble us if we let him. You see, I got embarrassed. I, I didn't say embarrassed. I said he humbles. You know, there's times we're embarrassed, and yes, that's humbling. But I, I don't mean humbling in the aspect God embarrasses in front of people or whatever. I mean God helps us to recognize, man, I'm living in pride. And there's certain things in my last, you know, just in the last years, I've been praying and asking God to point things out of my life. I've noticed certain things, even things that I was asking for him, please do this, please do that. God was pointing out, yeah, it was all about you. Man, I tell you, it was great to grow and learn that. And if I want God to exalt in due time, shall we say, put me in a place, put any of us in a place where we can be used by God, I must be humble enough to start where he wants me to be and to be used there and growth requires humility, and not false humility, by the way, a recognition of I am nobody. I like what John the Baptist said. He must increase, and I must decrease. Anything he needs to do to me to increase the name of Jesus is good. Anything he needs to allow into my life to exalt his name is good. It's not easy. It's not enjoyable, but it's good, and that's what I need. To That's a thinking that somehow needs to be brought in to my thinking. It's not easy. That's why we go to the Word of God. That's why we're constantly reminded of these things. Why do you think God allowed Solomon so many times in the book of Proverbs to bring up this battle of those who don't want instruction, those who do? Because our flesh doesn't want it. 
We need to be reminded of that so that we can be humble enough to hear it without humility. I will never be able to recognize what God wants for us to hear. I hope we, I hope we listen and understand that this is so important. It's not necessarily a negative. By the way, if you're one that says, I want nothing to do with instruction, you've probably not enjoyed necessarily what's been said. But it's so true. And it's not true because I said it. It's true because we've read scripture that says it. And may you allow the word of God to speak to your heart. It's the greatest thing you can do to grow in this area. For those of you who say, I want knowledge, or else probably you wouldn't be here. This is an encouragement. You're in the right place. You are exhibiting the fear of the Lord and the desire for wisdom. And you, as it says here, will abide among the wise. Thank you for being here and being part of this, giving me a chance to unpack just a few verses for you today. And I hope it was an encouragement. I hope it was a help. And I hope that it can continue to be something that draws us closer to God and keeps us focused to God in these unprecedented times. We love you. Thank you so much for the chance to be part of your day. Uh, We're grateful. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow as we finish our week at 11 Live or whenever you get this on audio or video later. We hope you join us. Share it as it hope is encouragement to you and maybe to others in your life as well. Thank you uh, for joining us. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow in the next episode.